Are you looking to extend your faith in God? You're in the right place. This is a biblical and practical approach to God's words. Welcome to Be the Gospel with your host, Anthony T. Jarena. Hello, this is Anthony with Be the Gospel. This is day 10, chapter 10 of Heal the Sick with Brother Osborne. And we're going to jump into it. It's healing and redemption. So let me preface this a little bit by saying he says some things here that can be a little controversial, but he kind of explains it out. So bear with me as I read through this and I explain some things that I believe that he's trying to convey. Okay, so let's go ahead and start. Surely he has bore our, our griefs, sicknesses and diseases and carried our sorrows, pains. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. First Peter 2, 24 says, Who his own self bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live to in righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. And something interesting here is in the Greek, it says you are healed. So it's exactly quoting Isaiah 53 uh, verse 5 and so um, that's just a little minor detail but it makes it relevant for today and forever not past tense only okay it says by these scriptures we know that healing for the body is provided in the same redemption as salvation for the spirit in redemption there's both physical and spiritual healing if you are saved you should be healed if you are healed you should be saved. And this is where it comes across very controversial, right? So let's break it down. Let's look at it. Healing is part of salvation. When you realize that healing is part of your personal salvation, you need not call for the elders. You need not have hands laid on you. You no longer need to ask in Jesus' name for what you already possess. Neither do you need to have two believers agree in prayer for you. You accept Christ's life for both body and spirit. Okay, sounds controversial again, right? But what he's saying is, he goes, you grow up in maturity by the knowing of what Christ has already provided. So it's not a knowing here. It is a knowing in your heart. It's it's understanding these principles in the word of God that you can go, you have direct access to God. You have direct access to healing and you can go straight to him to be healed. You don't have to go through a process or a method. You just go directly to him because of relationship. So let's continue. You know that you are free from the bondage of both sickness and sin. You see your substitute, Jesus Christ, made sick and sinful for you. You have come to know that neither sin nor sickness can be laid on you again because Jesus bore them all on the cross for you. You comprehend the truth of the statement. Himself took our infirmities, weaknesses, and bore our sicknesses, diseases. You know that Jesus, your substitute, has delivered your body from sickness as well as your spirit from sin. You see your sicknesses as well as your sins laid on Jesus at Calvary. You know that if Jesus bore your infirmities and your sicknesses, you no longer need to bear them. If you need to bear them, then it was useless for Jesus to bear them. But since he has bore them and the Bible says they were yours, they then certainly they then you do not have to bear them because it's been put on Jesus. Jesus already suffered for it, so you don't need to suffer for it, right? Christians do not need to be sick. God wants them to be well and strong. See your sins forgiven and 
uh, see your sins forgiven and your sicknesses healed. See, deliverance for your body as well as for your, your spirit begin to sing with David. What does David say in Psalms 103? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Many have forgotten some of the benefits of redemption. David has not, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Complete deliverance. David says, forgives all, heals all in the same breath. And you know, I looked in Hebrew and I looked in Greek and all means all. So that's everyone, right? So at least you you have come to know why Jesus said, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. Because one was a statement of healing. The other one was a statement of forgiveness of sin. But he, he used both, right? He says, your sins are forgiven. And then he says, so that you know that the Son of Man has the ability to forgive sins. Then he tells him, take up your bed and walk. And the man stands up and he walks out. So at least the joy of, of a full salvation has become real to you. You realize complete deliverance. You join with Peter in saying, who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree whose stripes you were healed. You are healed. You understand that it was all accomplished in your redemption. You are a free person. No more sin. No more sickness. Both have been taken away from you by your substitute, who is Jesus Christ. It is when you come to know these vital truths that your sickness begins to melt away. Your deformed limbs begin to straighten and you find yourself freed in a body as well as in spirit. No glory and suffering. You no longer take your place with Job of the Old Testament thinking you should suffer sickness because Job suffered. You have learned that you are living in a post-Calvary epoch under grace and truth, which sets you free from the curse of the law. So I would point you to Romans 8, verse 2, that now you've been, um, well, let's just go there real quick before I slaughter the verse, right? But it says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk according to the spirit, not the flesh, right? And then the next one says, verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So you can see clearly that you operate now under the law of the spirit of life instead of the law of sin and death. Okay, so let's continue. A minister told me some time ago, every time I pray for the sick, either myself, my wife or my child becomes ill. And then he went on to tell me that he believed he must go through these tests to prove his trust, that it was his duty to prove himself faithful in sickness in order for God to use him for the healing of others who are sick. And this is complete foolishness. A lot of people fall into this trap of the devil to think that they have to carry something that was never theirs to carry in the first place. I asked him if he felt that he should prove himself faithful in sin in order for God to use him in preaching salvation to sinners. See, it's the same thing. This is what Brother Osborne is alluding to in the very first part of the chapter when he said, uh, if you are saved, you should be healed. And if you're healed, you should be saved, right? He's saying that they, they come together. They're not separated. They're not pulled apart. That it's a, it's a package deal, right? And so what happened is, it's amazing if we look at church history, because we look at John Alexander Dowie, for instance, 
he didn't pray for anyone who was not born again because of the scripture that says healing is the children's bread, right? So he was under this paradigm, this, this view that only believers had right to healing. And you can see that in scripture, right? But it wasn't just for that. It was also a sign for unbelievers. And we can see that in scripture as well, right? But he took it to extreme to where he only prayed for people in the church and that, or, or believers. And so those are the people he saw healed all the time. Now we've gone the opposite direction on the other side of the ditch in the church. And we think God only heals those outside of the church to woo them, to come into being the believer, to become part of the body of Christ. And he won't heal his own body. He won't heal his own children. And this is complete fallacy. It's a complete joke because we can see clearly in scripture that healing is for all and it's for any who believe. And so as a believer, you lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. And it's a sign to them that God is real and the superiority of his kingdom is much greater than the kingdom of this earth or the kingdom of darkness. And so it's very important that we look at it from that understanding and we can see it for what it is. And then he continues, I told him the difference between your preaching and mine is that you you are preaching and believing that you must suffer and be faithful before you can tell others they can be healed. I tell the people that Jesus has already suffered for them and for me, that therefore we all can enjoy the redemption which he provided for us, that Jesus is the substitute, not me. Amen. See, it's, it's not us who's the substitute. Jesus is the substitute. And if he's already carried it, then what's the point of us carrying it? It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with Jesus. We should be pointing people to Jesus. It's when he is high and lifted up that he draws all men to him. Right? So whenever we literally bring the attention, the focus back to Jesus Christ, then we begin to see everything God has promised. And so it says, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you, right? So even provision and all these things, it comes from focusing on his kingdom, on him, because the kingdom is ruled according to the king of that kingdom. And it, the king rules according to his nature and his character. And this is why so many people are appealing or, or have an appeal or a, a look or a, a persuasive or can't find the right word for it, but basically they're drawn to King Arthur because he ruled his kingdom with righteousness. Now, whether it was true or false, who knows, right? But the thing is, is that was something that it drew everybody to that there was justice, there was righteousness, there was goodness, right? And so it was according to the nature and the character of the king himself. Now, how much more Jesus Christ, the king of kings, how much more he rules in perfect love, unity, mercy, joy, justice, goodness, right? And we can see this, and this is what he's pointing to. So if Jesus has already paid the price, there's no reason for you to carry any of it. Amen? So righteousness, a certainty. E.W. Kenyon says, Jesus bore our infirmities, our diseases, and our sicknesses, and what he bore, we do not need to bear. And what he took upon himself, we don't need to suffer. So what is he saying is that Jesus paid for it once and for all, and we don't need to take it upon ourselves. It's already been paid for. It's already been taken care of. Now, the only thing that Jesus promises, promises us is persecution, is tribulation, and 
you know, basically attacking us and, and trying to kill us and, and pursuing us, right? Because we're revealing truth. We're, we are light. We're exposing the darkness. So this is natural. This is normal for a believer to go through. Not, oh, um, you know, they don't like the color of the carpet. So this is persecution. No, no, no. Get over yourself. It's about the gospel. It's about presenting the plain truth, the word of God and pushing forward no matter what. Okay, so let's continue. Always remember, Satan cannot legally lay on us what God laid on Jesus. And this is so good. So good. Write this down. Satan cannot legally lay on us what God laid on Jesus. Why? Because it's already been taken care of. There's no double jeopardy. Okay, you can't do it twice, right? Because because it's, well, technically, I guess that's the right term for it. Um, but <laughs> it's because the crime has already been paid for. The sin has already been taken care of. The sickness has already been taken care of, right? So you can't pay for it a second time, right? And so Christ became sick with our diseases that we might be healed. We knew He knew no sickness until he became sick for us. The object, the object of Christ's sin-bearing was to make righteous all those who would believe in him as their sin-bearer, right? The one who's bearing the sin for them. The object of his disease-bearing was to make well all those who would believe in him as their disease-bearer. Christ's sin-bearer made righteousness and a certainty to the new creation. He took our sins, and so he made us righteous. He gave us the free gift of righteousness. His disease-bearing made healing a certainty to the new creation. He took our diseases, and so made us well. He took our infirmities, and so made us strong. And he now trades us his success for our failures. And this is so important. See, because... God will take you from victory from victory to victory and from trust to trust. And he makes you more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Outside of Christ Jesus, there's failure and disappointment and depression and depravity and, and shame and pride and all these different things that come up. But inside of Christ Jesus, there's none of these things because he only has victory. That's the only thing he walks in. Humility and victory, right? That's two common things we see in his life. And sometimes I think of a secular song and the only part I know is all I do is win, win no matter what, right? And so that's what Jesus does that's his the his life all he does is win and win and win no matter what right and so the same thing is with us who are in him and him in in us and we surrender continually to him and we continually see the win we continually see the victory we go from victory for, to victory right and so this becomes a natural lifestyle because we we Develop the discipline to constantly live and surrender to the Spirit of God. So let's continue. Disease is cruel. Disease makes slaves of the people who care for the sick. The loved ones who are up day and night working over the sick ones are robbed of joy and rest. Sickness is not of love and God is love. Disease steals health. It steals happiness. It steals money that we need for other things. Disease is our enemy. It is our robber. It is a robber. 
Look at what it has stolen from the tu tuberculosis patient. It came during youth and has burdened the family, filled them with anxiety and doubts and fears and pains and robbed the, the patient of trust. Do not tell anyone that disease is the will of God. It is the will of hate. It is the will of Satan. If disease has become the will of love, then love is turned into hate. If disease is the will of God, then heaven will be filled with sickness. And we know that's not true, that there's no sickness in heaven because there's no sickness in Christ. There's no sickness in God. And it's ruled according to his nature and his character. So him himself, the Satan couldn't, Satan could not touch Jesus, right? It says it plain and simple. He's coming and he has no part in me. He cannot touch me. And so as you are in Christ Jesus, then the Satan can't touch you because he can't touch Jesus. So stay clothed, stay hidden in Christ. And this is what Paul's employing through the New Testament. Let's continue. Jesus was the exact image of the father and he went about healing all the sick, not some of the sick, not part of the sick. It says all of the sick. Disease and sickness are never the will of the Father. To believe they are is to be deceived by the adversary, right? Because the best thing he can do is convince you that it's from God so you don't fight him off. Because you believe it's God and it's beneficial and it's good for you that you're going through a test. So you're not going to attack the enemy. You're not going to uh, resist the devil. As James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And how do you resist the devil? Through truth, by knowing truth, knowing the standard, knowing what God says above what the devil is saying. Because the devil is trying to accuse God's nature and character of being suspect and calling God a liar. And so you're either believing that God's a liar or you're believing that he's true. And that's just plain as it gets. So if, you, if healing had not been included in the plan of redemption, then it would never have been placed in the great substitutionary chapter of Isaiah 53. So this was God's plan. It wasn't man's plan. It wasn't Moses's plan. It wasn't anybody's plan. This was God's plan. And this is why Jesus said, I can lay down my life and I can choose to pick it up again. It wasn't because bad men decided to kill Jesus. He made the decision. This was part of the plan written centuries ahead of time. Do you see this? Go back and study the prophecies about Jesus. God was letting his plan be known over and over and over through more than, than 30 or 40 different authors of the Old Testament. Don't know the exact number, but it's there, right? So let's, let's look at this. Faith becomes natural. This is deliverance we desire for you to find as you read this book, Act on it and you will discover new health returning to your body. Trust in God's word is never ignored by the father. Instead, it always brings his complete answer. This is the trust he longs to see you exercise. It will become a part of you. It will become a, a, as natural to your spirit as seeing and hearing is to your physical body. God said, I am the Lord who heals you. If, if three million people could believe it and find perfect health and strength under the law, cannot we who are living under grace, mercy, and truth be healthy, be the healthy body of Christ? Not only that, it says we have a better covenant established on better promises. And we can see when they exited Egypt, there was not a feeble one among them. 
So God does not want you feeble. He doesn't want you weak. He doesn't want you sick. That's not his plan for you. He's not teaching you a lesson. See the adversary for who he is. See Satan, the devil, for who he is. He's a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's trying to steal your health. He's trying to kill your your joy and your finances and many things. And he's trying to do all these things to tear you down and to pull you away from God. Don't let him get away with this. See him for who he is. He is the liar. He's the one coming after you. Don't blame God for what the devil is doing to you. You need to side with God. And tell the devil, the big God that you have in your life that can overcome him at the snap of his fingers. And because as you agree with God, you begin to see his life, his truth, his real revelation manifest in your life. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for everyone watching that even now that you're touching their bodies, you're you're renewing their minds, you're detoxing them from all the bad doctrine that they've had over the the series of the, the course of their lives. I thank you, Father, that right now the healing is pouring through every cell and fiber of their being. All sickness and all sin goes now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your perfect sacrifice, Jesus. I thank you that it is done and that they are completely healed in Jesus' name. God, you paid for 100%, not for 80%, not for 90%, but 100%. And we expect 100% healing and wholeness in every person under the sound of my voice. And I thank you, Father, that you heal all completely in Jesus name. God bless you. I hope you have enjoyed this. We do chapter 11 tomorrow. Basis for steadfast trust. It's going to be really good. I hope you join us. Bless you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Be The Gospel with your host, Anthony T. Jarina. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit BeTheGospel.com and on Facebook at BeTheGospelToday. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Be The Gospel.